0: Welcome to New Chip Accelerate, the podcast for entrepreneurs by the New Chip Accelerator. From investing to building a company culture, this podcast strives to shine a light on the many unknowns that all entrepreneurs face on a daily basis. Through talks with key personalities, Accelerate will teach you how to approach your investors, companies, customers, roles, and challenges with a fresh perspective. Today's episode is a segment from the keynote conversation that kicked off NewChip's March 2021 online demo week between NewChip Accelerator director Armando Vera Carvajal and US Olympic skier Morgan Shields. The two have a lot to talk about, especially how overcoming obstacles and taking risks to win are all traits that entrepreneurs should have. Let's get right into it, here's Armando.
1: My name is Armando Vera Carvajal, and I'm the Accelerator Director here at NewChip. We're so pleased that you are tuned into this week-long online event that welcomes hundreds of NewChip startups alongside thousands of investors and entrepreneurs from around the world. Today, we are joined by a very special guest for a unique talk on the subjects of perseverance, courage, and taking those big risks in life that will ultimately make a very big difference. It's my sincere pleasure to welcome Morgan Shields, an American freestyle mogul skier who competed for the U.S. Olympic team at the 2018 Winter Olympics in PyeongChang, South Korea. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today here in this talk.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to do this and be a part of this. So thank you for the invitation.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, such a pleasure to you know. I know you're incredibly busy. You just got out of a training camp for the past week or so, and you know you're just (laughs) all over the place. So we're so honored to have you here. Um, Before we jump right into the conversation, I'd love to share some details about your background with our global audience to provide a little bit of context. So. Morgan is an Olympian from Pittsburgh, New York, uh, and she found her unlikely passion for skiing at a small hill in upstate New York at the age of five, Uh, though she never completed a FIS World Cup season from start to finish. uh, Morgan is one of the most successful skiers on the freestyle team. Uh, She began her elite career at 16 years of age on the national team, uh, leaving high school behind to chase her dreams. At 17, Morgan won her first World Cup, completing the hardest trick in the women's field in Japan in 2015, as well as being named FIS Rookie of the Year. Wow. Uh, Her short-lived victory quickly fell to a season-ending knee injury two weeks later. in, In her career, she's captured two World Cup wins, five podiums, and one national champion title, but it has not been an easy journey, and you'll learn why in this conversation. Um, Morgan's career has three separate ACL reconstructions, shoulder dislocations, and five surgeries. Uh, She's the longest standing female on the team at this time, which makes her a veteran at 23 years old. Uh, Her goal is to return to the next Olympic Games and redeem herself from a heartbreak finish in 2018. Wow, (laughs) gets me so pumped and excited to just, you know, uh, learn so much about you in such a brief paragraph, Morgan. But once again, thank you so much for joining us here. You know, to start the conversation, uh, you're an elite athlete. You're part of the U.S. Olympic team. To reach this place in the world of sports, let alone life, demands just so much of one. I I imagine it demands absolutely everything. Taking a brief walk down memory lane, tell us about what led you to become an athlete and why you chose the path of professional sports.
2: That's a good question. I don't really get to think about that a lot, but uh, I was one of those kids growing up that always had to be doing something. And I think my parents saw that. Um, my dad was a triathlon or triathlete and he competed in the Ironman like uh, circuit for almost 30 years. I got to see him go to the world championship in Hawaii twice. Um, so having him as a role model, uh, I was able to kind of picture what it would be like to be a professional athlete and do something along those lines. But again, as a young, at a young age, I, all I wanted to do is play sports and compete and race. And my parents took me to, I want to say 30 different sports, <laughs> like throughout my childhood, we tried them all out from um, like whitewater rafting <laughs> to um, rock climbing to rugby. like. Whatever my mom could find, I was going to be enrolled in and I was going to try it out. And skiing was that one sport that came into my life and I knew I couldn't live without it. I just felt like a new person. Even at like nine, 10 years old, I was like, that's what I want to do. That is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, I never knew it could be a career though. (laughs) I thought it was just gonna be a really fun passion and um, something I was going to be able to like compete with my friends with as a hobby. And quickly I learned that I really wanted to do it as a lifelong adventure and, uh, somewhere along the lines in upstate New York, I was like, yeah, I guess I could go to the Olympics. Like that seems pretty cool. So, um, yeah, here we are like 10 years later and I got an Olympic title and or Olympic participation underneath my belt.
1: That's, that's incredible. And, you know, it's just the, the amount of motivation and investment that you're that your parents put into you, right? Like propelling you and giving you all the opportunities and chances to try things out, 30 plus different sports that you tried. I think my parents only forced me to try soccer and football, right? <laughs> and that was it, right? Um, but I think like, there's so much determination that it makes me wonder, you know, as a kid, did you think that you would ever end up in the Olympic world someday in the future?
2: You know, I always would watch the Olympics on TV and I thought it was the coolest event that they ever put on TV. And me and my dad would huddle around and watch the gymnastics and watch the swimming and watch like um, the aerial event, which I actually thought was where I was going to end up um, doing three backflips with like six, four, no. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> doing doing an, an outrageous amount of flips and twists, but, uh, I never thought it was a reality or it could be a reality because of kind of where I was and where I lived and the opportunities that I would miss out on almost. Um, cause you don't really hear about skiers coming out of upstate New York. You hear about the next um Michaela Schifrin coming out of Burke Academy, who's been in the program for years and years and years. And I was at that time a weekend skier. I would go up and ski from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday, and that was it. Like my parents would drag me down to the hill um, or <laughs> take me to the hill and then try and drag me off the hill at the end of the day. And that was like a hobby at the time. I just never knew at that point in my career where it would ever take me so no I don't think I would ever say I was aware of the possibility of going to the Olympics I just knew that it would be very cool if I could do it um but I'm very glad that I didn't think it was impossible
1: Mm -hmm. no I I think that's the important part that you did not think it was impossible you mentioned earlier and it really caught my mind um after trying you know so many different sports you you finally tried skiing and you somehow knew that that was like your soulmate sport right tell me more about that like how did you know that that was the sport and what did what was it like in the moment for you so
2: I think (laughs) I knew that skiing was my passion um I think I was in second and third grade and this was pretty young but I had done something on the way to school in the car, um, gotten in an argument with my dad and he wanted me to uh, behave or just stop yelling. And he said, fine, we're not going to skiing. or We're not going to practice this weekend. And I remember feeling crushed. Like I, I couldn't even get out of the car to go to school. Cause I just, uh, the only thing I was thinking of is not skiing at that point. And, my insides felt like they were pulled out of my stomach. And at that young age, I was just like, no, 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 no. Like I, what do I need to do to be able to ski again? Like what can I do in this moment to change that so that I will never, ever have skiing taken away. And I think that set me up for the rest of my life. Um, because I have had moments like that with injuries and, um, people telling me, no, you can't ski today because of, um, obstacles and me, and just feeling that same feeling of, uh, or having that same feeling of just helplessness. And that's probably why I have, um, this crazy need to continue to pursue this passion of skiing, despite these injuries and despite the challenges. And yeah, if it wasn't for that moment and in, in time, I don't think my dad would have realized how important the sport was to me, and I definitely wouldn't have known.
1: I mean, that speaks to me as a clear indication of passion, right? Where you just it it's in your blood; you have to do it. Otherwise, as you said, you feel helpless. And it makes me think a lot about, um, you know, in the entrepreneurial world, a lot of startups. We get to meet hundreds, if not thousands, of different founders and even investors who they lack that, you know, twinkle in their eye, that passion that, you know, right. It's there that if you were to take them away from their startup or what they're doing in entrepreneurship, they would be miserable and helpless. Right. But then you see with people who don't have that and you know that they perhaps don't have what it takes because they don't actually care enough about the sport. Uh, You know, if it's taken away from them, they're done. Right. And, And I think in your case specifically, you need that especially if you want to reach, you know, Olympic level athletics, which is very, very impressive. Um, so, you know, like you found this real interest in commitment and professional skiing. I'm, I'm sure you had to make some very big life decisions in order to pursue your dreams. Tell me about, you know, what were some of the biggest fears and hesitations that you affronted?
2: Um, so I guess some of the biggest fears I've had in my career were, uh, are kind of along the lines of failure. Um, they resonate right in that realm of not being good enough. Uh, and I think it's a fear a lot of athletes have, especially in a performance and judging sport um, where your success purely lies in someone else's hands um, at the end of the day. You can do as much as you want, but as soon as it comes down to that day of competition. It matters what that judge is sitting at the bottom of the course. thinks. That's, that's what the biggest, um, biggest fear I guess I have is, uh, not having that full control of everything in my sport, because as as someone who is very competitive and needs to find that next competitive edge above your, um, your competition, (laughs) Um, you feel that it's imperative that you do everything in your control to one-up them and make sure you are doing your PT, make sure you're getting the best nutrition, make sure, uh, you're going above and beyond in your mental, um, game and practices. And the biggest fear is that all of that effort that goes on won't be enough when it comes down to that biggest moment of your life. And one of my biggest fears actually came true when I was at the Olympics. I had done everything that I thought I needed to do. And I prepared so hard and I was so um, ready. But at the end of the day, I did everything in my power to compete and compete well. And it wasn't good enough. And my biggest fear at that point in time came true. And uh, it probably took me a good 10 months to actually get over that moment of coming down from the biggest moment in my career of qualifying third in the Olympic games and then going into the finals and not even making the next round. It took me a long time to get over that. Um, But I am a strong believer that everything happens for a reason. And that those moments that really shake you and really turn your world upside down are actually the moments you learn and become a lot stronger because of.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's that, it's so powerful to me to hear that, um, especially when the stakes are so high, right? For you in your case, like the world's literally watching, right, judges, the best of the best are looking up to you and you've been preparing relentlessly for this moment. And, You know, there are internal and external factors the things you can control and the things beyond your control. And the judges are a part of that, but also circumstances that impact your outcome. And it didn't work out. Right. But I think your mindset and believing that things do happen for a reason is so powerful because it gives you hope. Right. Because it doesn't mark the end of your journey and your endeavor? Because I imagine there are many people, perhaps athletes, right? In the Olympics, you might know better, but w- w- something like that happens, they just throw the towel and say, you know what, it's not meant to be, right? <laughs> Maybe I-, I wasn't good enough. And this is the the confirmation of that. We see that a lot with entrepreneurship, right? Sometimes um, founders are going through the trials and tribulations, right? That you could expect in in a startup journey. And oftentimes they give up. Without realizing that they're so close to achieving that dream that success, right as they say it's always darkest before dawn right and and they're so close to it and they have to keep that hope of moving forward but that fear of failure, that fear of failing again and again and again deters them from taking more of the risk so I find it admirable that you you know it, it took you some time to process that and and pick yourself up, but i I admire that you're still set on, on going, going at it again, going bigger. Um, you mentioned earlier, and, and I remember when I was introducing you talking about, you know, sort of the, the trade-offs that you've had to make in your life, you know, and you're still pretty young, high school, college, what were some of the trade-offs that you had to take into consideration to pursue this dream?
2: So when I was in high school, I, uh, I guess this was around when I was 15 years old and I had just become one of the like, best Eastern skiers. And the next level at that point in time was to try and go compete against the Western skiers or the, and then the next step after that was the international level of competition. And I remember having a pretty serious conversation with my mom and dad where they looked at me and they, at that point in time, the biggest, um, financial deal we had dealt with was like driving eight hours to Maine and staying in a hotel up there. But this next step that we, that was necessary for me to take in this skiing career was to start to travel and start to compete and start to ski more than just on a weekend. So they had a very huge decision for me to make, um, with their support, which was amazing. But they told me that it's either skiing or college. We have, we've saved since you were a baby for you to go to school. Um, but if you start to ski and traveling, travel internationally, we can't do both. We phys- like, we physically are not prepared to support you in both of those dreams. And at the time I was probably way too young to make a decision like that, but I'm glad that I did. And I chose skiing and I chose that level of, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to make it then like, that is what I need to do is I need to make the ski team and I need to be successful when I'm there. And that mindset actually set me up for really great um, success because I am a person who skis best when I have pressure and I don't like to ski under pressure, I guess, but, uh, I find that my biggest strengths come out and my biggest resilient, um, characteristics are the strongest and and the biggest effect when I'm under the most pressure. So I actually went on to compete later that season and make the U S ski team at 16. And then my first actual world cup opportunity arose and I I won the international event and that qualified me to become a part of the A team, which was fully funded. So I went from not knowing how to pay for college to being a fully funded athlete within, um, two years, which for my parents was the biggest financial relief that they could have ever asked for. Um, they didn't expect that. I didn't expect it, but it was one of those things that I think, um, the circumstances and what we decided to do in that decision really set me up to have a successful path,
1: despite the risk. That's, I mean, wow, <laughs> that's that's so incredible. And I think I, I actually, I don't know if you saw, but I had a sigh of relief, right? When you talked about that after two years you were fully funded, because I imagine like even your parents had that same sigh of relief, like, oh, you know, like it, it worked out, right? And I think. Your story rings so familiar to me in that it resembles that, that junction which most entrepreneurs must face at some point in their journey uh, as an entrepreneur, right? Where they have to decide to give up their job or they have to, if their students, they have to drop out of school, right? To focus on this, this idea or sometimes saying, do I even take a job or find a job? Or do I just put all my bets on launching this startup? I think it takes a lot of courage. Right. A lot of courage and, and believe in oneself and abilities. And naturally, you're going to have a lot of the, the same feelings that you, know, you described earlier, fear, of failure, uh, you know, self-doubt. Um, but you have to overcome that. Um, you have to accept the risks and you have to commit. And I think that's something that you understand all too well. Right. Otherwise, you know, you would have just stepped back, gone to the status quo and given up on your dream, which I think would have been very, very sad. Um, we need more people like you in this world. So I I, I'd love to know, you know, how do you approach taking risks in life? I, I know you took this very big risk, but what is the mindset that you have?
2: That's a good question. My, my mindset, um, I would say is my biggest strength and my biggest weakness,
1: um,
2: in my ski career. I focus on the good and I focus on what I know I can control and what I know I can do well. Um, and that works really well in a situation where you're training and you're just constantly trying to get better. Um, but it also takes a level of humbleness that you have to be able to retract and look at what you did really well, but still see not necessarily the flaws, but the room for improvement. And what I guess I get really caught up with is there's a level of what it takes to do well in a competition and that can be achieved by anyone, but there's another level on top of that, of what it takes to be great and win the competition. And that not a lot of people can do. Um, that comes from your pure mental ability. Uh, we see it time and time again of athletes cracking under pressure or, being so good outside of the competition, but when they're put under that pressure, why does it, why does it break them? And I think it comes from years and years and years of knowing who you are mentally and how you perform and what circumstances are going to make you grow to actually be able to implement, implement that internal mental strength in those high pressure situations. So my mindset is actually really focused right now on improving mental strength. Um, I have been out of competition, I think for two years now. Um, and I have to return to competition this fall at an Olympic trial, which is going to be a world cup and that will be my first back. <laughs> so for me right now, my goals and my mindset is what do I need to do to fine tune my mental um, strengths and ideas so that when I I roll up to that competition, that I am so 110% that nothing can shake me. So my mindset is constantly reevaluating what I can do better, but also understanding that on my worst day, I'm still great. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it it makes perfect sense, right? That you have to have this kind of mindset if you're in the Olympic world, Uh, but also for entrepreneurs, right? I've seen it firsthand so many times where you have somebody who has very clear talent and potential for whatever it is they're doing, building rockets, software, salsa, if you want. Um, But there is this just deep inherent self-doubt, right? Where they they somehow at the last minute, whether it's before they go to pitch investors in a boardroom or something, there's that little voice that's holding them back and they're terrified, right? It's like, maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe I don't deserve to have a seat at the table. Um, and I think a part of that is normal, right? I think I've, I've heard many times from numerous people, talented people that um, if you don't consider yourself an imposter, <laughs> you probably aren't very good at what you do, right? And, and sometimes that self-doubt, is a good sign, right? And I think it's, it sounds like you've felt that many athletes have felt that, but you still work through it. And I think it's super important. Um, going back to, to, to the previous point that you made about that risk between either going to college or not um, also reminds me of entrepreneurs, right? Taking that risk, leaving their job or whatever to, to launch that startup perhaps with no funding, right? Perhaps they don't have rich friends and family to, to back them. They have no cushion. They have to take that leap of faith, right? And one or two years later, they may be fully funded by investors who believe in that vision. But in order to get to that point where people see that commitment, that that point where you are in the pressure cooker, right? Like you, you said, like you, you bring your A game, you're at your finest moment when you're under that pressure. It's not achievable if you're not taking that kind of risk. And it's it's such a powerful story and it's so powerful that, you know, you believe it and it's something that you've been going through. Um, a little bit more about the traditional obstacles and challenges that one my math. Uh, what are some of the more underspoken yet pressing issues that athletes face today?
2: So I have... I have this feeling that um, our world and our society has this very specific idea of who athletes are and what they do with their lives. And um, even when you see an athlete on the television, it's almost like, you know, them, you know who they are because of what they've accomplished and that's my biggest problem with um, being a high-level athlete is you may know someone how <laughs> through their competitions and through their medals and um, their achievements, but deep down inside, there is a, um, a little bit of construing that goes on to make these athletes look how great they are. Um, deep down inside, we are all just human, and we are just trying to claw our way um, to victory, but it takes so much more than that. And it takes what happens when you're not on screen. And it's kind of like you said, when entrepreneurs are just working their butt off to try and make ends meet, it's those moments that really are the hardest part because no one's watching you. There's no camera on you. There's no sort of promotion going on where you, can better yourself, um, in the eyes of the public, but it's, those are the most important parts when you're an athlete, it's doing what you need to do day in and day out. Um, whether someone's watching you or not, whether someone's checking up on you or not making sure that you are going to be the best prepared athlete among all of your competitors when the final, um, show comes. And that's the part that, you don't really get to know, you don't really get to see an athlete do. Um, so I think that plays a huge role in, um, how athletes kind of get pres- or construed over, uh, social media, um, on media platforms, all that fun stuff. And the other part is you don't really get to see them struggle. You don't really get to see them on the verge of drowning and what they're doing, but coming back to a victorious, um, victorious state of mind. And that is um, one of the parts that I'm pretty passionate about because in in the athletic world, you're almost programmed to be a very cold-hearted individual that is strong no matter what. You don't show your vulnerability. You don't talk about it, um, but you continue on. And you push through and likely that moment of vulnerability will pass and you won't have to deal with it anymore because you'll win something and you won't even remember that that happened. But when you're in a moment where you don't have something going on, that's going to make you forget about that really low point or your vulnerability Mm -hmm. that starts to grow. And so I've experienced this personally, um, in my own like mental health, when you're not constantly competing or traveling or trying to one-up everyone else in the world, there's this moment where all the dirt and everything around, surrounding you just settles and you're forced to look at it and you're forced to really come to terms with what is going on in your life and uh, with everyone, everything around you too. Um so my injuries have been like the biggest eye-opening moment where everything settles to the ground and I'm forced to come to terms with whatever's going on. And for me that's been really mental. Um it's been a lot of focusing on what is my brain doing when it's not being con- constantly stimulated and that's probably one of the other biggest uh weaknesses that Athletes aren't allowed to show. But in reality, they're not weaknesses at all. Like if you can overcome um, some mental health issues and challenges, you're probably probably going to be stronger than any other athlete you're standing next to. Um, but it's one of those things you you're not really encouraged to talk about, you're not really encouraged to share because again, the you know, end product, the person standing on top of the podium, that's who people want to see, and that's that's not the reality. Vulnerabilities are one of those um, topics that I'm still fairly uncomfortable with. And it's it's new to um talk about something you were maybe a little ashamed of. Uh mm-hmm. but I've realized that nothing comes um from being comfortable. There's nothing worth achieving that comes with this constant sense of comfortableness. It, your achievement comes when you are pushed to those edges and you are pushed to your limits and even past your limits. And you are forced to understand where your new limits lie and what you're actually capable of when you're not comfortable. I know that the gold at the end of the path is worth every moment of misery along the way. So (laughs) keep going.
1: Wow, I I love that so much. And I I feel like I'm gonna be rewatching this talk long into the future, because it's so inspirational. And I think there's something so authentic and unique to who you are, Morgan. So thank you so much for, again, taking time out of your super busy schedule to to join us here, and impart some wisdom to, to the investor and entrepreneurial community um, and we wish you best and we 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 hope to see you in the Olympics soon enough, achieving those big goals. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you so much. This is, this is so much fun.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of New Chip Accelerate. If you are interested in learning more about how New Chip enables startup founders to build their business, meet other CEOs and raise their rounds, all while retaining 100% ownership of their companies, check us out at newchip.com. Thanks for tuning into this episode of New Chip Accelerate. If you want the full uncut conversation between Morgan and Armando, you can check it out on the New Chip YouTube channel. We'll see you next time with another episode of New Chip Accelerate.